The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're tuned in to an all-new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. Brian Scott Rippey coming up in just a little bit. And guest Chris Cleary, volunteer coach for Ole Miss Baseball. But before we get into it, Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Mosquito Marshals. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have first-hand experience. Mosquito marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshalls online at mosquitomarshalls.com. Mosquito Marshalls, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshalls. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. Welcome into this Monday edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippy at BS Rippy. You haven't already subscribed, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. We both work for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is Chris Cleary, volunteer Ole Miss assistant baseball coach. Recently promoted to replace Mac, who is now the head coach at Charleston Southern. But Rippy, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, dude. Enjoying this uh, nice Monday morning. Went on a golf trip this weekend. 
really nice. Uh, ate some dank LB's burgers. Filet burgers can't ever go wrong there. So feeling good. You're feeling good for reasons that other people aren't. You got away from everything for days. You went on a golf trip. You told me before we recorded, couldn't really check your phone. So basically, you unplugged completely while the rest of us got all up into some Major League Baseball, only to find out on Monday that the Marlins are still going to Marlins and screw everything up. Pretty much. The only uh, really baseball I caught this weekend was last night as I got home and was unpacking. Caught a couple innings of Giants-Dodgers because the roommates had it on. But, uh, yeah, that was really about it. You pretty much nailed it. I, the place was went to Muscle Shoals, Alabama. We had played the Shoals. It was 36-hole property. Pretty sweet. Really enjoyed it. But it was in the middle of nowhere. Uh, no cell service. So it was, yeah, definitely I went caveman mode this weekend. Meanwhile, the rest of us, I mean, I got all into the Braves this weekend. I, and it was so good to ride the roller coaster. For 17 and like two-thirds innings, the Braves couldn't score runs. They hit two home runs. And then Marcelo Zuna hits a game-tying home run in the bottom of the ninth in the second game. They go on to score three runs in extras. We're the first team to actually deal with the new extra innings rule in Major League Baseball, which means that in the 10th inning, you start both half innings with a man standing on second base. And immediately, Dansby uh, Swanson knocks him in with a single. Now I'm riding high. The Braves are back. And then Sunday, <laughs> beat the crap out of the Mets. I'm feeling great, only to wake up Monday morning dealing with COVID mess again. If you're a football fan, you are watching what's happening with Major League Baseball so closely right now. You should be. And you know I've already covered this. We covered this before the uh, Major League Baseball season even started about how the travel component is going to be so critical for college football, and that's what they're going to be following. That's what Keith Carter talked about on this podcast. And if you looked at what happened, it's not good news. No, it is not good news. And what's a shame from like a pure baseball standpoint, you talked about like having kind of the joy of riding the roller coaster of emotions. Like I grew up a big Cubs fan. And really kind of just phased out of it when I was in college. It was actually, strangely enough, as they got out of the rebuild and got good again, I just got not less invested, but just spent less time watching. And then when I, I got lucky enough to do that internship in Ohio, so I learned to just more appreciate the sport more. But it, from a fan's perspective, like if they were able to make this work, the 60-game baseball season is going to be a wild roller coaster ride. Because now that random loss in late July that you're you know tweeting your – team's beat writer about that really doesn't probably matter actually matters a great deal and i hope they can figure this out uh because it would be a shame if this this gets derailed but to your point it is not good news and if they aren't able to figure this out doesn't this pretty much not completely cement the fact but it seems like it gets close to cementing the fact that hey if you're gonna do sports, exactly a bubble That's the is whole a way thing. to go and here's the breakdown the marlins not. had four players test positive for covid over the weekend ESPN's Jeff Passon reported this morning that an additional eight players and two coaches have since tested positive. Tonight's scheduled home opener against the Orioles has been canceled. That was tweeted by Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic. And ESPN's Jesse Rogers tweets, not all the new cases are asymptomatic. The Marlins are remaining in Philadelphia. They won't be traveling back to Miami, as had been previously scheduled. In the span of one weekend, the Marlins have now seen a dozen players and two coaches test positive. More troubling, perhaps, and I'm reading directly from MLBTradeRumors.com. More troubling, perhaps, Craig Mish, the beat writer for the Marlins, emphasized that the Marlins players and coaching staff had been adhering to the league's health and safety protocols. And yet, there's an outbreak. Now the question is what Major League Baseball does. They canceled the Yankees and the Phillies for tonight. The Phillies um, were the team that the Marlins were playing. The Marlins played knowing they had positive cases. See, that's the story that seems to be kind of – as most, as a lot of uh, hot button issues, 
do in the age of the internet is everyone rushes to get out the shittiest take possible in 240 characters to boost your ego. You kind of miss the crux of the story, and it seems like it was pretty – I don't know if I want to call it irresponsible because, to your point, it sounds like uh, they are they were technically adhering to the health and safety protocols. So I don't know what the issue is here. I don't know if we found an issue with the health and safety protocols that needs to be tightened down. But it doesn't seem like a good idea if you have three cases to just kind of go ahead um, and just go ahead and roll with it through the rest of the weekend. That seems like where this got out of hand. And again, I don't know if the blame goes to the Marlins there. I don't know if it goes to Major League Baseball for the guidelines not being tight enough. Hopefully this is a learning and teaching, I guess, moment for you know Major League Baseball, uh, college football, any other sport in terms of like how to control an outbreak. But uh, something seems to be tweaked here. So I don't know if there will be any good that necessarily comes maybe, out of this, but maybe. this seems like a moment to kind of maybe tweak your protocols. That just drives me nuts. Kyle Brandt tweets out, there's a segment of the NFL media, and tell me if this sounds like, just pick your media, Major League Baseball, their sides in this, college football, whatever. There's a segment of the NFL media that seems to be almost rooting for COVID to affect the season. They want it. These are people who make their livings off football. I don't get it. No one is rooting for COVID to affect college football or the NFL. No one is rooting for that. And it's asinine that people think that. It's almost August. And we just now got to a consensus that everyone should wear masks and socially distance. Because we don't have a vaccine like we do with the flu. We need to do these things. Wear masks, socially distance. Because all we want to do is get back to normal as quickly as possible. And in our world, we want to play sports And it sucks already that we're dealing with the COVID story three games into the Major League Baseball season. Three games! And Eric Jackson tweets out, Major League Baseball is going to hold an emergency meeting today after 14 Miami Marlins players and coaches have tested positive for COVID-19 following their weekend series with the Philadelphia Phillies. That is bad. In college football and the NFL, regardless of how you feel politically about COVID-19, if you want college football, if Major League Baseball shuts down this early... There is no way, no way that college football is going to be able to get it done because they're all worried about the risk. They're watching the professional ranks to see if they can do it. And if college football can figure out a bubble system, cool, because I think you're right. I think the bubble systems have hit on something. If you can do it in a bubble, great. But how do you do that in college football? How do you do that in the NFL? they got to travel. And Major League Baseball is already having trouble after three games. I hope that they can push through and figure out a way to keep playing. Because God knows it was so great to ride that roller coaster emotionally again. My brother's text message is getting blown up because, of course, I'm overreacting to everything. But that's what I want to be doing. I want to be overreacting to sports. I don't want to be dealing with the virus anymore. You should be concerned right now if you're a college football fan if this doesn't work. Because Major League Baseball, the travel aspect of it, that's what they're looking towards. And they're not going to have a season if they can't travel. Agreed. I think you hit on a bunch of stuff there. As far as the whole, like, The whole rooting for the virus thing. Yeah, that narrative seems silly to me, too. I just think it's people's general disposition on life. I mean, like, because I'll put my hand up. When this first all this stuff came out, it did seem like some, I guess, colleagues or whatever you want to call them in the industry just kind of like exhaustingly just hammered home about how terrible the virus was and stuff like that. But I don't think no one, obviously, with their livelihoods on the line is (laughs) rooting for the, you know, the thing that provides them their livelihood. To not happen. That just fundamentally does not make any sense. 
But at the same time, I do think, and this is just a product of the drug that social media is that really just is not controllable, is that people just generally let their emotions run out. And so if you're a generally pessimistic, overly emotional person, it's probably going to show on social media. If you're overly positive, then it's probably going to show out there as well. And I think that's really what it is more so yeah. than rooting for the virus because I don't think anyone is – What the hell does that even mean? Like what – you're rooting for a virus. It doesn't make any sense. Like, it's like – Say that out loud. But I just think it's people's general disposition. This is something new. This is something stressful for everyone. And I think it's just uh, people letting their emotions run out. The uh, the difference is, is somehow because now, like, people overvalue their opinion. Like, why do you care what a Gannett columnist's opinion is on a virus? Like, he doesn't uh, What does his opinion matter why, to you? Why yeah. the hell are you paying him yeah. any line? Like, you're feeding into what he wants. Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't run he wants. But anyway, that all that aside, I agree with that as well. But yeah, it, it does. I don't know what a bubble looks like for college football. I just don't think you can do it. Um, but I will like I will throw the point out there. Is there a way that you can create more of a bubble like atmosphere with college sports? Because you do have all these kids up here right now working out. You do have all them, you know, and they pretty much spend their whole day outside of like class and stuff you know, in and around the practice facility. Now, I'm not naive enough not to think they don't, like, go anywhere and the ones that live off campus and stuff like that. But they do spend a good portion of their day. And I just wonder if there's a way for college football and college sports to create more of a bubble-like atmosphere because you're not dealing with professionals. And, like, you know, you can, I guess, I mean, this sounds bad, but you can kind of control them more in terms of what they can and cannot do. Um, you know, maybe that's just dumb because I guess – if they are going to have in-person classes, though it seems like most is going to some hybrid thing. Baseball is the most socially distant sport of any of them, and yet it's having an outbreak. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you socially distance that. It's just a bad sign. It's a bad sign if Major League Baseball can't continue. And as you're listening to this, maybe a ruling has come down. We don't know. The story is ever-evolving. But everybody is rooting for Major League Baseball to keep going and figure it out. I'll tell you, me, myself, I'm worried about my job in six months. I don't know what that's going to look like. We need sports, but we also need to all agree and stop attacking each other that let's just figure out the best way to curb this thing together. I am not your enemy if I think differently about the virus. My opinion doesn't matter. And your opinion, if you think differently, doesn't matter. Let's listen to the science and the recommendations and do everything we can to get sports back. I can't go more months with this. I can't. We'll get right back to Brian Scott Rippey in this edition of Talk of Champions with Chris Cleary, Ole Miss baseball volunteer assistant coach, coming up on the Modern Woman phone line after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy. We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity, to keep us happy. Maybe you're going on Amazon, hitting add to cart, purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now, I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. If I myself, have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not going to be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. 
I don't like to haggle. I don't like to negotiate. I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, the only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Self-isolation, quarantine, has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, they've earned your trust. You can count on them. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down. Give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. It's not a good segue, but Sam Williams... Over the weekend, we were waiting to get the full report, and then if you go to this mobile app, it had been released, but we finally got the full report. Charged with sexual battery, suspended indefinitely. I don't know what else to say about this, quite frankly, because this story is very serious. He's hired Steve Faris, the powerful lawyer in Oxford, to defend him. Sam Williams, as of today, is not a part of Ole Miss football for the time being until this is settled. When it's settled, I don't know. When they go to court, if they go to court, all that stuff, sexual battery is a very serious allegation. We don't have all the facts. I've heard some stuff. It would be irresponsible of me to come on here and tell you the stuff I've heard. All I can say is it's bad. He's not here. And if you're Ole Miss and you do get a season and you don't have Sam Williams, that's a huge blow for you defensively. Yeah, it is. And as far as like the legal side, like you said, very serious story. But yes, from a football perspective, I mean, that most thin thinnest position on the field for them defensively was definitely the defensive line and he's their best pass rusher so that that seemed suboptimal I don't really know where else to go with that I mean he's he might be their best returning defender I mean I think Lakia Henry Momo Sonogo but like in terms of pass rusher he's definitely their most experienced pass rusher so that's uh that's not great for them from a football perspective, but it almost feels weird to say that because so much is going to unfold between now and if there's ever a football season tried. I just kind of let it play out. Right now, what you're hearing doesn't matter. Let's worry about the facts with this because this is a very serious allegation, but he would not be hiring Steve Reese if he wasn't attempting to fight this. It's a big deal, and Sam Williams to lose him is a massive deal for this defense if they get to play because it's the one position where they couldn't lose anybody. And it seems like... Every single year, and it's probably not the case. We could probably actually look it up and the facts wouldn't bear this out. But it feels this way that every year, and I don't want to make light of this situation because it's a very serious allegation. That's not what I'm trying to do here. But every year, Ole Miss loses the one player that if you were were to poll all Ole Miss fans before the year and say, what's the one player? Who's the one player that Ole Miss cannot lose off of this team? Ole Miss loses that player. It goes back to D.T. Shackelford, Momo Sanogo, Sam Williams. Jordan Wilkins, ineligible off of a mistake made in the academic office. Just you name it. There's always a very important player that something happens and Ole Miss is immediately, before games are even played, at a disadvantage. Now, this one is different because it's sexual battery. But Ole Miss, without Sam Williams, a much worse football team. 
for a defense that was already going to be kind of going up against it a little bit as far as stopping opposing offenses because this defensive line wasn't going to be able to generate consistent pressure. That was the best guy for you. To not have him, that's a big deal. So that's the developments of the weekend. Right when you think things are starting to get back to normal, to feel a little bit normal. Four million people tuned in to opening day. Yankees Nationals on Thursday. Four million people watched that game. And yet, on Monday, what are we talking about? A terrible, terrible situation with Sam Williams. And in Major League Baseball, 14 Marlins positive COVID cases. When it spreads, it spreads. And colleges may want to look at these examples. Because if you don't have adequate testing, 14 can become hundreds pretty dang quickly. And unlike the flu, we don't have a vaccine. So wear your mask, socially distance, and pray like hell that somehow they figure this out. This is the shittiest news to wake up to. Yeah, it really was. And you, to your point on the Ole Miss losing key players, I mean, this doesn't necessarily fall in line to the part where you're saying mostly before games even happen, but they haven't had a quarterback make it through all 12 games yep. uh, since 2015, if I'm not mistaken, right? They lost That's Chad a half decade and played ago. Shea. They lost Shea and started Jordan. <laughs> it's every single year. Oh, man. And then a key contributor. I guess, I guess so in 18, I guess Tamu started all 12 games, but he got injured in the Egg Bowl and Corral had to come in. So I guess 18 is actually yeah, but they, they did accomplish starting yeah. all 12 games in 18. Did they man. not? There will be a day that comes. When Ole Miss football is just playing games and winning seven games seemingly every year, and people are just bitching about things we used to bitch about, can they break through? Can they win eight or nine or ten? But no, that is not today. Today, um, their best defensive player just got accused of a very serious thing, and in Major League Baseball, they have slowed things down. Where is your optimism, pessimism meter right now, as you know all of these things on this Monday? Mine's just stayed the same the whole time. It's been pretty constant. As far as my optimism that they're going to get this done and complete a college football season, it's probably slightly lower after reading into this, some MLB news. But uh, I just, I've just i kept the same attitude the whole time. I think they're going to try because of what is at stake uh, from a monetary standpoint. I, just, I think they're going to try. Um, you've seen positive numbers uh, in terms of just these guys being on campus, the testing during workouts. That's obviously going to change when you get back to – into playing games and kids have class and all that different type of stuff. So I think they're going to get their ducks in a row and going to try. Uh, probably is going to be delayed a couple weeks. You're probably going to see. I saw the ACC pitch to model this weekend that is uh, like 10 conference games and then a plus one, which kind of keeps your Georgia, Georgia Techs, Florida, Florida State, South Carolina. Like that would seem to allow you to keep maybe one marquee non-conference game for Ole Miss if they went that way. I'm not saying they are. Maybe it's Baylor. Maybe it's later in the year. I found that model interesting. So I say overall optimism is about the same. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'll put it as a soft 6. But I've pretty much stayed that way the whole time because I haven't been afraid to just throw my hand up and be like, hey, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just going to kind of go with it. I'm not going to act like I know (laughs) because everyone who's acting like they know is full of shit. If you're a media member that's injecting yourself into the COVID conversation and trying to be a, quote, truth teller in regards to COVID. You don't know anything. You don't. No one outside of the people who are in this every single day in the scientific community really know what's going on with COVID or how you deal with it. I was reading something today. The survival rate is 99.96%, and children are more susceptible 
or die from complications from the flu if you want to follow the actual science. Okay, well, if one-third of the country caught corona with a 99.96% survival rate, that's one million deaths. So you love spouting numbers, but you never extrapolate them out. We don't have a COVID-19 vaccine. I wish we would get one tomorrow, because all the experts on Twitter and in the media you're throwing out numbers without actually considering what the numbers are. No one is rooting for this. No one wants this to still be happening. But it's almost August, and it is. And sports are being threatened. If Major League Baseball doesn't keep playing, it's a punch in the gut to college football. It just is. The NFL, too. Because then you can't see how NFL training camps get started. How college football... I mean, they can maybe start practicing the logistical concerns of actually playing games. I love the idea of a bubble system for college football. All these teams like showing up in what, Birmingham? And they put them up in different hotels. They're all going to play at the Hoover Met. Then you're just completely getting rid of the idea that they're student athletes. <laughs> Which is why they're not going to do it. But to, if that does happen, yes. I'm getting that Sankey check. But that's neither here nor there in this present moment because I invented that idea. But yeah, I mean... I agree. If you wanted, I just I, as we're recording right now, I just had my computer up, and if you want, uh, like a sign that the bubble is working again. The NHL announced. Looks like this is from maybe a week or week and a half ago, but all tests conducted throughout a week, over four thousand tests, nine hundred players, working. three came back positive. But uh, to your point, is that what is that what this is going to end up coming down to? Can they create a college football bubble or create something like? Some semblance of it, like because obviously having all these college athletes in a central bubble like Orlando or wherever the MLS is, I think is Orlando too, or Canada, like not that there would be any of those places. That just seems far-fetched. But can you get some sort of maybe like two centralized locations for the east side teams and the west side teams? And I say sides because like Missouri is obviously in the SEC East, but it would be very stupid to go play on the East Coast. Like, can you get two locations somewhere and just kind of have this happen at a central location every single Saturday? There's supposed to be a meeting this week, again, of the SEC ADs with Commissioner Sankey in Birmingham. Um, that's supposed to be either Thursday or Friday. I want to say it's Thursday. And that's when they were kind of going to start making real decisions here because they kicked the can down the road. Now you got the MLB news coming down. If you could do a bubble deal where you got the East teams playing in Atlanta and the West teams playing in Birmingham, and you're just playing a conference-only schedule, you're limiting travel to hotels, stadium, stadium, hotels, it could work. But then again, you're erasing all pretense that these kids are here for anything other than football. You have to accept then that they are not student-athletes. They are football players. Yeah. And that opens up a whole other can of worms as far as being properly compensated. Man, we're still talking about it. Oh, God. I woke up this morning. Touch on the Sam Williams stuff. I uh, actually saw that Barney Farrar has filed suit against the NCAA. That could have been something fun to talk about. But no, COVID's back. The Marlins, the Miami Marlins, played a game with positive tests. To expect that every team and every decision maker and every player for everyone to be on board with the same goal in mind, I guess, was too much to ask. Maybe that's like the best encapsulation of just how terribly nauseating this is from a content perspective is that you, someone who's covered Ole Miss for the last decade and covered all 
of, and I got most of it, but I was a student through some of it, most all of the uh, NCAA five-year colonoscopy, <laughs> and you welcome the idea of covering something and talking about something related to that. Barney has filed suit against the NCAA. I don't want to reopen and relitigate that thing. But it is a fascinating story. Because remember, Leo Lewis revealed in the NCAA meeting in Kentucky that he received a gift of $10,000 or greater in the room, and everyone gasped, and then there was a quick break, and the NCAA comes back in and explains it away as a gift from Coach Green at Kapaya Lincoln. And that committee just accepted that explanation. Ole Miss thought it was over after that. At least the story had changed. And yet, after a quick recess, all of it got shot down. Maybe that has something to do with that, does Barney Farrar's suit. Effectively, he's trying to get his life back. Hired Jackie Sherrill's old attorney, who filed suit against the NCAA, to represent him. That's a big story. And it's far more interesting to me than talking about COVID again. Because with COVID, all we're getting is bad news. All Monday brought to us was more bad news. Whether or not baseball continues is up in the air. And if baseball can't continue for college football, that is a gut punch. Because the travel component, which we warned you about last week, is a big part of college football. How are you able to adhere to all the safety and testing protocols and protect the players when you're traveling all these places? Because I know, as far as almost basketball is concerned, there's already been discussions of, okay, who's going to be on the actual plane when you fly somewhere? The managers, y'all are going to be loading up if the game's on Wednesday. Y'all are going to be loading up on Monday, and we'll see you in, in whatever town on Wednesday. Everybody else, we're getting on the plane and we're socially distancing. This sucks. Yeah. I would just like a vaccine or just a wake. I keep waking <laughs> up and thinking maybe it'll just go away today, but uh, that that does not seem to be a scientifically sound oh, approach. But Dodgers doesn't president mean I'm not Stan Casting. Hopefully, this is the worst outbreak we will have this season because it will teach us some things. But I do think we expected something like this at some point. There's some optimism. Sure. They had to have expected it, particularly when they elected against the bubble. You just had to expect this. You're traveling. They've done a good job with the whole division thing and, and whatever the term is they use for the scheduling where you don't travel as far. But, you know, this, I guess, I guess to, to respond to his statement or the, my takeaway from that is, well, yeah, this better be the worst outbreak because if it gets any worse than this, it would seem incredibly difficult to move forward with things. But his, his, his thought about, you know, this being business as usual for the 29 other teams, while not completely true because they did have to cancel the Phillies uh, Yankees game tonight, but that's hopefully a short term thing and just a one off deal, um, barring the spread of the virus to the Phillies or whatever. But uh, that's definitely room for optimism because he was just like, yeah, everyone else will operate business as usual. And <laughs> if there had to be one team to do it, they have much better that's looking uniforms. That is too. optimism because you, you would expect. But here's the thing though it's only 60 games. And are there enough built-in off days to reschedule to ensure that every single team gets its 60 games in? And that's the hard deal. And that's why I was overreacting on Monday when the Braves were sucking because opening day in any other year, it's just opening day of a long, long marathon. This is a straight-up sprint. So every loss really matters. I love the expanded playoffs. A lot of people didn't like that, that Major League Baseball expanded the playoffs to 16 teams. The first and second place teams of every division, plus the two best teams with the best record after that, make the playoffs. Well, if you have a shortened season, expand the playoffs to where now we can all accept the results for being more representative of a season that got cut short and you'd actually accept the results more than you otherwise would because they have to go through a much more rigorous schedule. So I like that. It's a one-off thing in a shortened season. Of course you should do that. But God almighty, Marlins, 
You just had to Marlins this up. But they did have to expect this and had built-in protocols or built-in emergency measures to ensure that they could contain it. If they didn't, baseball is as stupid as I already think they are. Yeah, agreed. And like the, the next coming, this is going to be a big week uh, on all fronts, right? Because this is kind of decision time for college football. And then throughout the next week, I guess week and a half with with the Marlins presumably having to quarantine for at least a week, probably two. Like, how does this handle? How do they, like, how do you operate? Like, where are we? Where, what are we talking about like a week from today or maybe two weeks from today? Like what, like, did they get through it and everything's kind of back running smoothly again? Are we talking about how awesome the NBA playoffs are going to be? I listened to a podcast last week with uh, Ryan Russillo had a guy on that. I think he was the GM in the New Zealand Breakers, but he's an American. But obviously he's been living over there working for the Breakers. And he was like, yeah, I feel like I have two lives because we don't have COVID over here anymore. So every time I get on the Internet, like it's just a complete disaster in the United States. It's the overarching point, though, that it feels like everybody else has kind of figured something out. And we can't come to a consensus even on anything until late July. Now we're all wearing masks. Now, now we agree that we can, we should be wearing masks. Now we agree that we should be social. What are we doing? I am not your enemy. You're not my enemy. Let's just do what we got to do to get sports back. This sucks. It is fun to think though that the Marlins. Okay, you get an expanded roster, an expanded roster player pool to pull from if you do lose players to COVID. So they have 60 players. 11 of their 33 are down. So now you got to dip in and bring minor leaguers up, I guess, to play. It'd be hilarious if they just started going and finding old washed-up guys to come play. Wouldn't it be fun if, like, the Marlins just to field a team brought Jose Canseco in for two weeks? Yes, that would be awesome. Like, I think Matt Latos' last bow-out in professional baseball was starting a benches-clearing brawl in indie ball that uh, I think got multiple players on both teams suspended. Johnny Venters, come back again. Yeah, Ryan Howard, Mark DeRosa. I'm saying. What is he Alfonso Soriano still around? What is he up to? All right, here's Joel Sherman from the New York Post. All right, what do he say? Think this is going to be Major League Baseball's position. Number one, anticipated this could, would happen. Number two, hope it's limited to one team. Number three, lesson learned to double down upgrade protocols. It's going to have to be more than one team badly impacted for Major League Baseball to seriously consider postponing slash killing the season. Seems like the only stance. What else? What other stance yeah. are you going to take? Like, yeah, we're toast. I mean, yeah, I agree. I think that's exactly what they're going. I mean, that's kind of what we outlined earlier. Like, this better be the worst outbreak. Maybe this is a teaching moment. But yeah, I mean, look at the NBA bubble. What do they do to Lou Williams? Lou Williams gets out for an emergency reason. He gets out of the bubble. He goes to Atlanta. Goes to a strip club in Atlanta. He comes back, and instead of having to quarantine for four days, he has to quarantine for 10 days. So they're taking it seriously, man. And they're following and not allowing their players to do anything that could compromise that bubble. Bubbles are what work, I guess. That's what we need to go with. We're rolling with the bubbles. College football, I don't know how you do a bubble. If you can figure something out like that, oh, God, I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to talk myself into not being pessimistic about a college football season. And it's it's a difficult proposition to talk yourself into, but uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm just I'm always the opinion they're going to try. I just don't know if it's going to work. And it, my like selfishly, if you're talking about nothing other just from a content perspective, like selfishly, like like everything else aside, if they try, that's at least a morsel of content for a couple of weeks or a month. So, what was your immediate reaction when you heard the Sam Williams news? Uh, well, very serious situation. I just thought, like, I, I mean, I guess my first thought was, oh, wow, that's really bad. Like, let us have his day in court. But obviously, very serious allegations that if they are true, you know, suffer the you know, 
fullest of consequences. But just from a football perspective, I thought, man, that's absolutely a position that they did not need to lose. I mean, to like, honestly, I had the same thought as you did when you said earlier, like the one player, if you pulled all the players that they didn't need to lose, uh, like that's exactly what I thought. I was like, they would have rather have lost like pretty much anyone else. I mean, that that's a crucial bro. I don't have any other details to add to it. I wish I did. I know a lot of people tuned in to probably listen about Sam Williams. There's nothing I can really divulge that uh, wouldn't be classified as rumor. So um, it's a bad, bad situation for all parties involved. From the Ole Miss angle, defensively, it's your best defensive player potentially outside of Lakia Henry who could have an argument. And um, to not have Sam Williams, if you do get a season, would be really tough for Ole Miss to overcome. Makes you question, too, if you're Charles Wiley, you sure you want to transfer away? More and more it appears that you don't have a ton of options and Ole Miss has a need there unless you just don't want to be at Ole Miss anymore. And, hey, man, that's your prerogative. Yeah, what did it talk about another thing with very few details? I just kind of went out. And, I mean, it was very hard to gather details on that, right? And like, Yeah, and, and we've reached out like, to Charles Wiley, and he's not said anything other than it was just time to move on. So don't act like we haven't tried to figure out what the reason was for Charles Wiley leaving. Can't figure it out. For sure, there didn't seem to be much there. To like, There yeah. wasn't much information to be had, To uh, kind of similarly. But like, um, I, a quick non-sequitur here, or just a quick correction earlier in the podcast. I misread the uh, MLB and the NHL test. Uh, it was a phase three testing protocol. They had zero positive cases, not three See? out of the 4,000. So See? just quick, quick uh, correction there. But yeah, yeah, to your point, they, they could use Chuck Wilde. He'd be a starter if not. Like, could, considering if you, if Sam Williams is not available to play whenever their first game is, Chuck Wiley is starting at defensive end, is he not? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know where you want to transfer to. You're going to be a starter on an SEC West defensive line. Yeah, but again, I don't know. not a lot of details there. Weird situation in a completely different way. Defensive end transfer Tavius Robinson, as reported by Yancey Porter on the Ole Miss Spirit, OmSpirit.com, is nearing eligibility. That could be a thing. That could help. I was thinking that and Clowney. I mean, I mean, he's whether he's ready or not, it might be a, hey, there's no other choice type of thing. Like you might have a Nick Broker situation on just on the other side of the line. Like, Look, I saw that, a picture that, of Clowney, and uh, that kid weight-wise is not ready. What else are you going to do, though? Eventually, you got to put someone out there. Yeah, I guess. Who was that really skinny kid that was, I think, technically an end or a linebacker that they moved to tight end? Jonathan Hess? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm going down. I'm trying. Just I'm say trying. a prayer. Say a prayer that Major League Baseball doesn't get canceled. I think uh, somebody posted that on our board. Yeah, Landshark54. Y'all say a prayer that Major League Baseball doesn't get canceled. That would be the end of college football for this year. And it's not far off. It's really not. Austin Keys is 6'2", 240. <laughs> You're really doing it. You're looking. I'm You're going looking. down. I'm just – Luke Knox. <sighs> Luke Knox can't be a defensive end. No, he I can't. I still agree but... with you that at the end of the day, college football will figure something out. I don't know what, but something because they're just too much at stake. But erasing all pretense that these are student athletes. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippy at BS Rippy. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five star review. Doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OmSpirit.com. So does Rippy. Also available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Going to go to the Modern Woman phone line to speak to Chris Cleary, Ole Miss baseball volunteer assistant coach. That's it for Rippy. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, dude. Before we hear from Chris, let me tell you about Modern Woodman and BNA Bank. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? 
Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman Phone Line is Chris Cleary, volunteer assistant coach for Ole Miss Baseball, promoted after being the ops department for Ole Miss Baseball. Chris, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing great, Ben. How are you, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for coming on. How you hanging in there and uh, quarantining and social distancing? You holding up pretty good? Oh, yeah. We're doing great. Just uh, good to be back in the office every day and, and see some familiar faces. That's what Clem said the other day. He was on this podcast. And he was like, look, man, just getting some normalcy back, it's got to feel good. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we got most of uh, – well, not most, but we got some of our guys back here working out every day uh, voluntarily, and, and so it's good to see their faces and good to see some of the staff's faces. The volunteer assistant coach position has been one where you've seen Mike take guys out of ops, be it Stephen Head, uh, Mac before you, and put them into that position. What does that entail? When you get that promotion, what does that entail for you? Uh, it's just a chance to get back on the field, opportunity to get back on the field and work with the guys, which I haven't done for a couple of years, um, and I'm, I'm sure I'll be doing some, some op stuff here as we transition uh, into, into getting somebody else on the staff, but just an opportunity to continue to learn here uh, under, you know, coaches, uh, coaches watch and, and continue to participate with a great staff and, uh, and just learn and, and help these guys develop more, more so on the field. You've been an assistant before at Butler at Creighton. Um, what led you to Ole Miss? How did you get here? So I was, uh, yeah, I was at Creighton for two years um, after being at Butler for, for three years, all as, as a volunteer assistant. Um, and after my second year at Creighton, um, our head coach there, or that summer I, I was kind of looking for jobs, and our head coach there actually coached with uh, Coach Bianco, I want to say 2014 summer maybe, um, or 13 summer with uh, Team USA. Um, and so there was a connection there. And so I had him make a phone call for me and I applied for the job and, and ended up getting it and, and making my way to Oxford. So now that you've seen Ole Miss baseball up close and you've worked in it, is it different than other places? Oh, a hundred percent. And we were just talking about this the other day in, in the office, myself and Chris Kedoris, our other office guy, but um, you know, coach just, 
his system and, and his amount of, uh, I guess, a, a care factor, for lack of a better way of putting it, um, is just different uh, than other places. I mean, there's there's so much put into, uh, you know, ticket sales and the marketing side and promotions and recruiting um, and player development and just every aspect of, of running a program more so than, than at least the, the other places that I've been. Um, you know, you always kind of have the, the recruiting and the player development, but, um, you know, we just we just do so much more here, um, and he really just cares about every aspect of his program, um, you know, more so than, than other places that I've been. You mentioned the system. What is it about the system that separates that you went into the details about the marketing and stuff, but when you walk in, if it's a fan that doesn't know anything about it and you want to see what Mike Bianco's like day-to-day, what his system is like day-to-day, what will you experience? Uh, he's really going to hold you accountable. I mean, he's going to know, uh, you know, maybe when you made a mistake and, he, and he's going to really teach you, uh, you know, more than anything. Um, and then he's going to let you know when you've done a great job and to continue doing, uh, you know, whatever it is you were doing right. Um, and for me, that's the biggest thing is, is I've been able to learn more just because he's, you know, he might be hard on me at times, um, but it's going to help me develop, uh, you know, and then ultimately help our help our players get better and, and help the program get better and, and really the university too. You're a former pitcher, middle infielder. When did you know that coaching was going to be in your future? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Honestly, I didn't know until I was offered a job um, <laughs> at, a, at a golf tournament I've been at uh, actually after playing. So I obviously played in college. Well, didn't really play that much, but participated on the team in college uh, for four years. Um, and, and I was hoping to get a job, uh, like on the business side of baseball. I had a, did an internship, a public relations internship, uh, as weird as it may be for the Golden State Warriors when I was going to school out in the Bay Area. Um, and was really interested in like the media relations, um, you know, side of the business and, and really was hoping to get into baseball in that aspect. And it just didn't happen. Um, and I didn't really make anything of that internship with the Warriors. And uh, kind of got done with school and wasn't really sure what was going to happen. We had an alumni golf tournament uh, over the summer um, out in the Bay Area and went to that golf tournament. And our head coach, who, who I just got done playing for, it was his first year coaching me, was like, hey, you know, I'd like to offer you a position. And, and I did not expect it at all um, and kind of thought, man, this might be a great opportunity for me. And so I kind of I dove in and, and have loved it ever since. I'm also a fellow survivor of the future in media relations. So, Chris, we, we relate in that respect. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's really funny. So, coaching, when you got into it, what did you have to pick up for? Because it's not just something where a player can seamlessly transition, right? There are certain things that you just don't know until you know them. Yeah, no doubt. And it, it's hard when you first get into it because, especially for me, and, and I would assume – you know, a lot of guys are put in this situation, but I was coaching at a place that I played at. So you're coaching some of the guys that, you know, I lived with the year before and, and, you know, some of my best buddies and, and guys that I stay in touch with to this day. Um, and so it's hard because you're trying to mentor them and, and help them get better. And, um, you know, these are guys that they might've been across the, the diamond from you um, and guys you've been playing with for three or four years. And so getting them to, I guess understand that and listen at times is, is really hard um, and getting them to buy into maybe, you know, your philosophy uh, is really hard when you've been, you know, buddy, buddy with them. So trying to, um, I guess, distance yourself from them was probably one of the hardest things. Um, and, and even so just as a young coach in general, like even when I got to Butler 
I'd only been coaching for about a year, year and a half. And, uh, you know, just trying to realize that, hey, you're here to, to mentor the players and help them develop and help them get better and, and realize their dreams. And you're not here to, you know, be a buddy to them or, or um, you know, you're not going out with them or doing whatever it is you're doing if you were on the team. So it is it is hard to distance yourself at first. Um, but I've I've enjoyed it. We'll get right back to Chris Cleary in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch and LB's Meat Market. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. That's right, Brennan. He spent eight years on the football staff at Ole Miss as a recruiting analyst, as he detailed brilliantly in a recent interview on this podcast. But he's out now. He's out of the game, having joined the family business, where his goal is to be with you through every step of the car buying experience, from purchasing to financing to servicing, all the way to the purchase of the next vehicle and the one after that. When you arrive on the lot at Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch, you'll quickly realize that this is a family business, which I can personally vouch for because I recently went through this process with Brennan. And I can safely say, if you're in his area, there's no one better to contact to help you find that car you've been searching for through someone you can trust. So reach out to him today at BrennanChapman.com. That's B-R-E-N-N-O-N Chapman.com. Whether it's shopping new or used, Brennan can help you out. That's Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford in Olive Branch. Talk of Champions is thrilled to welcome LB's Meat Market as one of its newest sponsors. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. The place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. The volunteer assistant coach position at Ole Miss has been a springboard for guys. Mac just got the Charleston Southern job. It's an appealing job, but I don't think people quite understand the responsibility of it. Mac was coaching first base. You'll probably be out there in first base. There are a lot of things that go into it. Will you be working with the pitchers, the uh, infielders, outfielders, or are you just one of those guys that will be wherever you're needed and they'll just throw you where they, where they want you to go? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll do whatever coach asks. Um, I, you know, primarily I'll be working with the outfielders like Mac. I'll be coaching first base, helping, helping Clem with the hitters. Uh, you know, I won't have a lot, lot to do with the pitching side of things. Um, but those will be my primary sponsor, uh, responsibilities is just outfielders and, and hitting. And, and then in terms of, uh, you know, helping out with administrative stuff, um, you know, I'll, I'll do what I, I need to do as needed. I think I'll be handling the bullpen club and, um, and, you know, leading the charge, uh, with, with camps. Um, but, uh, you know, coach knows that whatever he needs, I'm, I'm here for him. So what makes a good first base coach really? Man, that's a great question. I guess, it's, guess it depends uh, who you ask. I've talked to some people, and it's like they don't even understand why somebody's over there. Um, yeah. And it's, cert- it's certainly not to just wave people to second base. I think uh, for me, the biggest thing is to just help guys slow the game down. Um, and I know that's, that's kind of funny because baseball is probably one of, other than maybe golf, one of the slower games when you compare it to, you know, hockey and, and basketball and football and soccer. Um but to just help direct guys and, and communicate to them, you know, situations and, and help them with signs coming from, 
from Clem at third base or, or maybe from, from the dugout from coach. Um, I think that would be probably the biggest thing is just help him slow it down uh, and really help him with, Hey, this is, you know, this is what could happen. And this is what you need to do if this happens and so on. Yeah. I've always assumed that first base is where the nuances of the game, especially in the college game, that's where they're learned. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to understand, you know, what, what your time, time is the second base from your, you know, 12 foot lead or whatever that might be and, and what the pitcher's doing and what his time is to the plate and what the catcher's pop time is. And so, I mean, a lot of times it comes down to simple math. Um, but a lot of times it's, it's, Hey, you know, you gotta, you gotta make sure you get to your 12 foot lead and you gotta, you know, if you're off a of second base, um, and again, this is probably getting ahead of myself, but if you're off a of second base, you got to get some momentum into your steel and, um, got to get to a, a certain distance. And so there, there is a lot that goes into it. It's not just, um, and I, I mean, we've all coached those guys where you might have a, you know, six, four, six, five runner, but he's, you know, 15 for, for 30 on stolen bases on the year, which, which isn't very good. So, um, it's, it's not just speed that plays into it. What's the emphasis for the Ole Miss outfielders when you're coaching them day to day? Oh man, be athletic. I think it's probably easier, uh, I should say easier said than done, I guess, but, um, be athletic and, um, you know, want, want to catch the baseball is probably the biggest thing. Um, I, I've been at a lot of places. I, you know, coached at Creighton for two years and, and worked with the outfielders there. And we had a, we had a pretty good group. Um, and you're, you're coaching at, you know, or you're playing at TD Ameritrade, which is the, the home of the college world series. And so you have a, huge huge outfield and that was kind of my mindset there for those guys is you gotta you gotta want to catch the ball and want to go run down the baseball because there's a lot of grass out there and if you don't have that mindset um you know you're not you're not going to do as well um and that would be i guess my thing here and i haven't even been out there with the guys yet haven't met with them one time but just to be aggressive and want to catch the ball and just let your athleticism take over well the interesting dynamic for Ole Miss baseball is Mike has made no secret of easily taking an infielder or two and putting them out there in the outfielder. You, you saw Justin Bench in center field last year, and that's not a new occurrence. Will Golson before him. There have been many guys that have been infielders by trade that have gone out to the outfield. He recruits that way with the scholarship numbers being what they are. So when you're taking an infielder sure. and making him an outfielder, what are the things you have to coach? What do you have to change up for them? Man, that's a great question. I uh, Not to discredit Coach Mack, but I'd take Justin Bench any day. Um, so if coach wants to throw him in the outfield, I mean, shoot, he, uh, he was a natural at it and, and probably, you know, one of our better guys out or turned, turned out to be one of our better guys defensively out there and, uh, just, uh, re- really a natural at it. But, um, that's a great question. I, you know, I think just getting them the reps and coach allows that in practice, but just getting the reps off the machine, getting reps off of live fungo and, and really for them, just the care factor of, Hey, I'm going to go get my reps during during BP because that really uh, when you're talking live reps, you know, in the game of baseball, that's really the only time to do it uh, as an outfielder is to get your reps, uh, you know, during BP because you're going to, you're going to get them in the game, obviously, and you're going to get them on the weekends when we enter squad in the fall. So really, you know, taking the time to get out there and, and uh, making that important to you, I guess, for, for a guy that, you know, maybe he's in the infield 80% of the time. So the times he needs to go on the outfield, uh, are probably during BP and, and maybe just, you know, a short amount of uh, skill work, you know, with a the coach. There's got to be an instinctual component to it, too, because a lot of these guys, well, all these guys, look, 
coming up in high school, they were the best player on their team. So they were playing up the middle. They were catchers. They were second basemen. They were shortstops. They were center fielders. So the infielders that you get, there's some natural instinct there to where it's probably not so much of a transition for them considering that you're getting the best of the best. That's why an Anthony Servideo can go out there and be good at it and then come back and be good at shortstop or Justin Mitch, like you mentioned. That's part of it too, the instinctual component, wouldn't you say? Oh, no doubt. I mean, in, in terms of just having feel for the position and, you know, for where things are and where other guys are playing. And, and really, too, it's to kind of answer your, your previous question, but um, this goes, goes along with what you're talking about. But I think more so for the infielders, like they're going to – I think it would be a lot easier to go from playing infield uh, to the outfield uh, than outfield to infield. Um, but those infielders, I mean, the footwork out there is, is very similar. Um, and obviously you're catching fly balls as an infielder too. So there, there are some, some things that go hand in hand, uh, playing infield and outfield. Um, but, but it is, I mean, there's, I mean, just having a feel for, you know, where, where the wall is and where my other outfielders are and, uh, you know, what the speed of my center fielder is, if I'm in left or right, um, and, and, you know, the balls he's going to get to and maybe the balls he's not going to get to. Um, no, I think you're absolutely right. Any newcomers caught your eye so far? Honestly, I have not seen a single new guy hit or, uh, or throw um, or take ground balls or fly balls. We haven't been able to get out there uh, with them yet. They've been uh, – I know they've been out there and they've been, you know, throwing and hitting and, and obviously – lifting up in the weight room, but we haven't been able to get out there yet. So I have no idea other than the few videos that I've seen that, uh, you know, from a recruiting standpoint back maybe a year or two ago, um, I haven't gotten seen like the Jacob Gonzalez's and Hudson Saffs and, and any of those guys. Um, so unfortunately I don't have an answer for you. So what's the day-to-day like right now? What are y'all doing with the guys and when does the schedule ramp up? When can you actually get on the field with them? Cause once fall ball, if we get fall ball and it comes, uh, when does that start, and how do you ramp up to that? Sure. Yeah. So we usually meet, uh, you know, the first around the first uh, first day of fall class. So I think that's uh, like August 24th this year. So we'll have a team meeting on that day, or shortly after that day, and um, and then we'll we'll lift the first week with the guys, and then we usually start the next week. And uh, it's well, I was going to say four on ones, but I guess it's more of just small group work uh, for the first three or four weeks, and then we get into uh, you know, it's a practice time where you're with the team out there for, for two, two and a half hours. And, and then you're inter-squatting, uh, you know, two or three times per, per, uh, per week. Okay. I know I've asked everybody that's been on this podcast for baseball and they've all said the same thing that last year's team destined for Omaha, you get the same kind of vibe that they got <laughs> the same kind of confidence approach to it this year. I think so. I, th- I think you have to, I mean, obviously it's, it's Omaha or bus and, um, and coach talks about, you know, the road to Omaha all the time. And we have it on the, on the floor in the weight room. Um, I think it would be silly to, you know, not have, have that be a goal or not have a national championship be a goal. So no matter what happened last year, I mean, we could have, you know, went one and 16 and um, I know that wasn't the case, but I think, you know, that's the goal here at Ole Miss is to, is to make it to Omaha and win a national championship. 16 and one, man. It's just hard for people to not look back and go, man, it was right there. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and it was, but we're just, I mean, we're looking forward to, to getting the guys back here this fall and, um, and hopefully having a, a season here in the spring. And hopefully we'll start off 16 and 1 again and we'll get to play a lot more games. He's Chris Cleary, volunteer assistant coach for Ole Miss Baseball. Congrats on the promotion, man. 
thanks for coming on. We'll talk again. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.